With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 92% of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Yeah, if you like cycling to EDM. Not just EDM. Try cycling to Broadway hits, take a scenic hike in Iceland on our treadmill, or row to some 80s jams. Because I have so much free time. Whether you have 30 minutes or just five, Peloton can fit any schedule. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton tread, row, or bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home trial. I think he's kind of right that the process is ridiculous. Why does the player have to be there? Yeah. There's a bunch of players on it. Oh, well, that's good. Players are important to have on the depth chart. Or, uh, or screwball? Screwball, yes. Yes, yeah. screwball knuckleballer, but only with opposite arms. <laughs> and he switches in the middle of that bats when he wants to switch pitches. <laughs> I like it. And welcome to episode number 129 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we're busy picking the lock to the backfields of Dunedin. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined this week by Joshua Housem. Josh, how's it going? It's going good. How about for you? Uh, it's going going pretty good. I'm looking out my window. It does not look like spring, but apparently spring training is upon us. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we had winter storms. <laughs> all right. So this week, uh, the axe is back is what we have written here. And I think we all know that means John Axford. Um, there was another signing guy named, uh, Fiera Bend, which is a cool name to say the least. Ryan Tapera is angry, but he's been through arbitration. So who could blame him? Uh, Ross Atkins had some things to say about the rotation. Did any of them impress us? Mm, I don't know. He had some things to say about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and his quotation mark development unquotation mark uh and uh yeah of course we have your questions we have a gold star to hand out for an opposing closer which is a weird spot to hand out the gold star but that's okay uh yeah and then we'll finish up with some other chit chat so here we go john axford announced he wanted to play for the blue jays which seems to me to be kind of giving up your negotiating hand and then they signed him anyway yeah i mean <laughs> you know when you're a 36 year old reliever who finished up the season by giving up eight runs in three and two thirds after being traded to a playoff contender. I think you don't have that much negotiating leverage to begin with. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you might as well just appeal to the, uh, the nostalgic sort of, uh, hometown kind of vibe that was going on the last time he showed up here and say, Hey, my 441 ERA isn't complete garbage. I still have some left in the tank. Please sign me again. Yeah, and I think even that 4.41 ERA was a little bit inflated. I think you know just from watching some of those games where he gave up a couple runs at a time, the Jays' defense is was really bad, <laughs> <laughs> and he got hit from it. I think worse than a few other people. But uh, you know, I think he's a useful guy to have in the bullpen. He's been around. He's a veteran, and this team's not going anywhere anyway. So get the guy who throws gas and can 
be exciting to watch at times and he can help the young guys but I, yeah, yeah. I, I think there is a a uh, sort of guidance aspect of this that is probably you know not that he's not going to be a useful piece this isn't omar Vizquel as a guy who can't really play anywhere in the infield anymore i, I think this is you know hopefully more of a, a veteran who uh who can guide some of the younger guys because you, i think you're going to see a lot of arms turn through that bullpen in the next couple of years and it, w- it would be nice that people understood their roles and, and were more comfortable out there yeah i, I totally agree and it's not like he's a stiff, which is what you said with the Vizcal comp. I mean, he was traded to a contender at the deadline because a contender wanted him. Yeah. <laughs> the talent is still very clearly there. He still has the big breaking balls and both the curveball and the slider, and he throws hard, gets ground balls. If the, if the defense is better, he can be helpful as well as exactly what you were just talking about. All right, so we're happy to... How much did he cost? I didn't... I missed that. It actually hasn't been reported yet. I'm guessing... You know, Under $2 million. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about that, but uh, that it's going to be a minor league deal initially. But, you know, with some if he's in the big leagues, which is a handshake agreement when they can trim the roster at the end of the season. For example, they can put Julian Merriweather on the 60 day disabled list if they want to. And then that way they can free up a roster spot that way. There's plenty of things that they can do. But for now, I'd be shocked if it's a major league deal. Fair enough. Um, All right. Also, just one more thing. He's like he's a really nice guy and he wants to play here, which I think you now that that's always nice when someone says I want to be a Blue Jay. Yeah, I mean it was really nice when Jason Gurley came and was really good and wanted to be a Blue Jay. Uh, I felt really bad when he wasn't good anymore, and it was like, yeah, you <laughs> want to be here, but we we really can't use you anymore, man. But it was nice to hear, you know. Before yeah. most most players on their way out of town are like, man, I didn't realize how nice Toronto was going to be to me. But this is a this is a guy who, like we said, he's a native. Uh, you know, Torontonian per se, and and he knows what he's he's here for. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. The, so the Jays did do a neither minor league signing. Uh, left-handed knuckleballer who's been pitching for the last four years in Korea. There's a sentence that probably has only been said one or two times in the history of the human race. I don't think ever. <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> Certainly not to describe anyone else <laughs> ever. Uh, Fiera Bend. Ryan Fierabend, Fierabend, it's yeah. Firebend, I don't know. Firebend, I, I sure. Yeah. Um, Did you want to keep going? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I I think uh, that's a kind of a trippy signing. Uh, anytime you get a knuckleballer on, I think most importantly is that he clearly should be the Blue Jays' closer going into the season. Why? Well, I, I did see, I typed his name in to try and attempt to research him, but instead I just got the word Fierabend. Which is a German word. Did you know that? No. So <laughs> I know some German, but I don't know that one. It is an, it is it is not a directly translatable term, um, but essentially, if you had to roughly translate it, it means end of the working day and time to go party. Oh, I like it. <laughs> so if anybody's going to close games for this team, uh, I think a guy who literally is about being the end of the working day just before you party. That's the guy. So, so I think we should fate. Nick, re- yeah. nick, nickname him Ryan Party Time Firebend. Yeah, totally. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. So this was reported by Keegan Matheson directly from Ryan Firebend, who was there to take a physical. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. So it's a split contract with a con- with a you know money if in the majors and if in the minors, which you know, let's he's probably not going to be in the bigs. There's an interesting piece on Fangraphs about him. 
he's not actually a knuckleballer in like the R.A. Dickey sense or Tim Wakefield where he throws 85% of his pitches as knuckleballs. He just has a knuckleball. Like the Tom Candiotti-ish knuckleball? Yeah, more, more like that. I mean, so he didn't throw it in his first couple of years in Korea and he got released twice because <laughs> he was bad. Yeah, then, well, if you're getting released in Korea, that's not a good sign. Well, there's also you can only have two foreign players on your roster, so there are other aspects to that. But in 2017, which was his last season pitching there, he decided to start throwing his knuckleball, which he'd never thrown in games really before. And he threw it 21% of the time and 32% of the time in two strike counts. And his ERA dropped from 4.52 to 304. Clearly, they were not expecting that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to translate, but a 304 area in Korea is ridiculous. <laughs> the, <laughs> for those who don't like it, you know, might think, oh, well, it's not the majors. Yeah, Korean parks are—I <laughs> <laughs> uh, call them small—sounds like it's not enough of a word. I mean, this is the this is where Eric Thames hit 47 bombs. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, there, I, I, there's, a, there's a lot of shrunken things, and it's not ERAs. Yeah, so it's interesting, at least. I mean, who knows what impact he's going to have on the club, but I can see why they were interested. He's one of those uh, no no loss, you know, no no harm in signing him kind of things, I think. And Just, there might be some upside to it. Yeah, exactly. You, you, could, you could get a piece that people um, see some value in at some point, or you could completely wash out, but he's only going to cost you a bare minimum. And for you fantasy baseball players, pick him up. He's going to lead the team in saves. Yeah. Part of time. <laughs> uh, so the other reliever we were talking about uh, in the pre-show here was Ryan Tapera, who went to arbitration, as you do, and uh, they couldn't, couldn't, couldn't come to terms before arbitration. So then it usually gets nasty uh, because the team has to tell the arbitrator that the player is, is just pawn scum that they're hanging on to just out of pure sympathy and sometimes players take that personally and it sounds like uh, maybe mr tapera took it personally well here, here's the quote i don't say a word i just kind of sit there and listen i basically hear my side brag about me for an hour and then the other side kind of talk crap about me for an hour and he's yeah you know, he says it's like it's an effed up process it really is and i don't know what a solution is to it to make it better you know, it's, it's so obviously I'm not happy, but it's over and done with part of the process, et cetera, et cetera. I think he's kind of right that the process is ridiculous. Why does the player have to be there? Unless he doesn't feel he's going to get fair representation out of his agent. But I, I would think that you've entrusted your agent with everything else, like the going to ARB part. So Yeah, they, and they, the player doesn't ever talk at these things. It's one thing if you're representing yourself, like some players do. But if you're not planning to say anything, just don't go like why make it a requirement just say you won or you lost yeah exactly i mean if you want to read the transcript yourself you can have the transcript but you shouldn't have to sit there through a character assassination uh trevor bauer is that you <laughs> <laughs> that's so, what he described the indians yeah, the mistake from trevor bauer is assuming he has a character you can assassinate <laughs> yeah where's the we need the simpsons quote stop stop he's already dead <laughs> I uh, don't have that one on the soundboard, but next time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, that is kind of bad. But the other part is I think players have, have you know, generally have fairly inflated egos for, for good reason. They've been the very best of the best for a long time. And the process is is designed to point out 
where they clearly aren't the best of the best and and only deserve you know the minimum and it's really up to the arbitrator to, to decide who's who's making up facts you know or you know framing facts to suit uh their narrative and who's actually reflecting the true value of the player because that hour that your agent spends that's not really the truth either no, no, it's the be- everyone framing the side in the best light possible. And we should mention, so Tapera had filed at 1.8 million, the Blue Jays at 1.525, so he's going to get the latter. And, but this is like, this is what you just said a second ago, this idea that the players have a sense of self-worth that is inflated, not necessarily incorrectly, but it is inflated. This is why they don't need to be there. The agent's not going to have an emotional reaction to the, the other side because they're doing the exact same thing in the other direction. They know they're just arguing a case in the best way, the chance to win the well, it's not a, the arbitration hearing, and that's it. It's over. Yep. So, so I don't know. I don't understand why the player has to be there because it just it leads to things like this. Even when they win, like Trevor Bauer did. Yeah, it's like had enough of that. Well, yes, because we've all had enough of that. The team doesn't actually, you know, really relish the whole thing either because they have to go negotiate with you later. And they know that if you've taken it personally, you're less likely to be, you know, keen on a negotiation. But I think the well, other part I, that, the, sorry, the sorry, players ahead, but... forget about is that um, this year's arbitration, if it's a first year arbitration, affects, you know, exponentially or in series, every arbitration after that. That the team is really, if it's trying to save itself money, which teams are interested in doing, they have to get, get that arbitration number as low as possible, as early as possible, because the problem multiplies itself. Right. Now, I think that the the future difficulties in negotiation is probably overstated. You know, I, I don't think that the player is going to refuse a fair deal if you beat him in arbitration in the past. It's just whether he perceives it as a f- fair deal in the future. Yeah, but just in general, I think that players being upset over arbitration is a bit overblown, this idea. We've talked about this before. Yeah. You know, like when the Jays beat Donaldson, it's like, well, no, that didn't really mean anything. It's like they beat him, he's upset for two weeks, and then it's over. And then he doesn't sign an extension, and now he's a, was a Cleveland Indian. Anyway. Um. <laughs> well, he didn't sign the extension because they didn't offer him one that was big, and they probably made the right decision not doing that, considering he just signed a one-year deal. Insane. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Um, but we'll talk more about the mighty and how much they should be getting paid later. Uh, we should go to Ross Atkins, who had a little little presser, a little you know, powwow session with, with the press at spring training. What what was your biggest takeaway from this one? That Clayton Richard is guaranteed a rotation spot. <laughs> yeah. I don't get that. I mean, look, it's February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Um, but so it could change in the next six weeks before the season starts. But why is it even in the consideration right now that it's a guaranteed spot if he's healthy? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because they signed him and they said he'd you know but they I didn't know. sign him they the san diego padres ate a million and a half dollars to give him away it, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't like the uh the russell martin deal where the jays ate money to get a better prospect the jays didn't give anything to the padres for clayton richard okay so then or why anything they, of consequence why do they love him we don't know they, like they just liar fastball the yeah now, okay, I, I, I still think that the concept of that, I mean, so they give up Connor Panis, which he'll never be a big leaguer, but the outlier fastball thing, I still think that's a thing that they care about in a sense because if it's still working, it 
works well. Like it happened with the Jays. The guys that kept their outliers still did well. The problem is that a few of the guys had disappeared on them. Well, yes, and you need something to be predictive, not just coincidental. <laughs> Correct. And you know, it, it makes sense if you're bargain hunting, right? If you're if you're not bargain hunting, you shouldn't care about. It. Like they they were trying to get Sergio Romo apparently, and he fits that definition to a T. He's like super outliers, but Clayton Richard specifically needs a good defense to be successful. Um, <laughs> the Blue Jays infield defense could be pretty bad. Again. Uh, so number two in that rotation statement, of course, was that Ryan Barucki did not show up on the list of guaranteed a starting spot. Was he not yeah, arguably was... like the best or most consistent Blue Jays starter over the last half? Not of last named year? Jay Happ? Yeah. Yeah. Who isn't here, obviously, so... Yes, he was. And I think this is, you know, tongue in cheek, not tongue in cheek, but like he's saying this because he doesn't want to have the player just take it for granted. But Ryan Brucky will be in the Blue Jays rotation. He's the, well, he might be the fourth best starter in the on the team, but he's definitely better than Clayton Richard. And so far, he's been a steady uninjured hand when he's been in the big leagues, which is the other problem with, Possibly the three guys in front of in front of him on that list. Yeah, I mean, so what's funny is he said that, like, if healthy, he's guaranteed, Richard's guaranteed a spot. But he also mentioned that he and Shoemaker are still coming back from injuries that ended their seasons. This, this is like, I, I say this every year. Rarely does anything heal up and get better during spring training. Usually injuries yeah, not- are revealed during spring training. Yeah, now they're supposed to both be healed, but they're just, you know, they're coming back from injury. As in, they're, they're healthy now, but it, it's, it was what ended their previous season. The Blue Jays are entering, uh, we're going to get to this later, but yeah, th- that is not how you want to enter spring training with essentially five and a half names in your starting rotation, probably. Like, really? Now, it should be mentioned that there's a chance that they could add to this, I and mean, there's still a, a few free agent starters who are good ones, actually, in free agency who have not signed anywhere like last year they pulled in Jaime Garcia basically right after camp opened I think it was and I, I could see them going after a Irvin Santana or a Gio Gonzalez on a similar deal if they'll take it I, I expect Gio Gonzalez is still holding over a multi-year deal but Irvin Santana can't get one so what well, I mean I, I think that that's part of the the concept but I do agree and like you said we'll get to this more later didn't they screw up the Irvin Santana thing the last time they tried to sign him <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> now, I know arbitration things don't always affect, but I, I feel like... No, but they didn't screw that up. He's, his, so he agreed to a deal, a verbal deal, and the Jays were going to fly him in to take a physical and sign the contract. But in the time between those two things happening, two pitchers for the Braves went down with injury in the middle of spring training. Mm. And so they offered him more money. <laughs> and so he hadn't actually signed the contract with the Blue Jays. So he went to sign with Atlanta. All right. That's fair. I guess I would do that too in that posi- in that situation, certainly. But yeah, still a little awkward when you come back to discussing whether it's a verbal agreement or not this time. At least that was Anthopolis. So we know he's not going back to Atlanta. There you go. Uh, okay. So the last thing he talked about, I think, was, well, I'm probably missing a point, but he did talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and his, I'll put this in the biggest air quotes ever, development time um, in Buffalo. Yeah, the quote was, 
There's no firm timetable on when he arrives or when he's playing in Toronto for the first time. But we want to make sure he's the best possible third baseman and best possible hitter he can be. Not included in that quote is the follow-up sentence, which will be around April 15th or 16th. <laughs> is it that? What is the ARB cutoff? April 13th. April 13th. Not arbitration. It's free agency. A free agency cutoff. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're just looking to deny Vlad that that one year earlier free agency because we think he's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime phenomena. And uh, we can't say that out loud because the union will grieve it. Because you're... Even though every single team does this... You're yeah, the weird thing it. is, like, it, there's this situation where everybody, including the reporters and the team, has to talk about this because the reporters have to ask the question, even though they know what answer they're going to get. And it's just this weird song and dance when everybody knows the truth but can't say it. Which I feel is one of the other things that's going to get addressed in the next CBA is this this ability of teams to just basically rob a guy of a year of service time, even though he's perfectly capable of of doing that you know two weeks earlier being in the big leagues i just yeah we'll we'll see how that goes i, I think they'll try for sure but uh yeah I mean, it's not a surprise right <laughs> you know, the weird thing is that the team the twins actually said they did this with byron buxton last year i don't know how they got away with that but Blend, you know vlad will be up in late april probably they probably won't bring him up on april 13th because i think that, <laughs> that would be a little bit <laughs> Uh, the, the Cubs did that with Chris Bryant a, a couple years ago. Was, he needs to work on his third base defense, and they called him up one day after the deadline. Yeah, it is a song and dance, and it's ridiculous. And I, I just look at it, and I'm like, well, you know, we we acknowledge it. We don't have to like it. There's not much to do about complaining about it constantly because we're not the ones negotiating this process, unfortunately. But everybody should know Vlad is perfectly ready to play third base today. Doesn't have a thing to do with it. No. Um, but you know, the other side of this is the person he mentioned, Brandon Drury. I am really curious. I said this before in a podcast, but I'm really curious to see what Brandon Drury can do because I think he's a pretty good player. So, you know, hopefully he hits well when he's playing third base so that when, when Vlad does come up, they they don't shuffle him to the bench. Mm-hmm. Brandon Drury, everyday second baseman. That's That's okay, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that obviously that brings up questions about Lourdes Gurriel and Travis, Devin Travis, who's giving time in left field in spring training, as if they don't have enough left fielders. I don't mean to be picky, but anytime I hear it, we're going to give him some reps in the outfield, that's basically a player's death now. Do you remember Ryan Goins was going to get some reps in left field? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. At least this time it makes some sense. It, like Ryan Goins was a guy whose only value was that he was a good defensive middle infielder. Whereas Travis, if he can hit, it's a guy where you want to see if you can get him other positions. Yeah, I just feel like a guy whose knee explodes on contact uh, doesn't... I, I don't feel like those long runs in the outfield are going to do him any favors. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, the Jays have, especially after signing Galvis, who they have to give... They tell, they told him he's not going to be like a true everyday player. So Goria will play a lot of shortstop as well. But they've got a lot of guys for these same spots, especially once Vlad comes up. So it'll be really interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm sure some things will take care of themselves, as they tend to. Oh, also, by the way, Clayton Richards' number is two. It's terrible. <laughs> you really don't like single-digit pitcher numbers, do you? I hate it. Now the Jays have two of them. Oh, no. You know, you Two of add- the five pitchers have horrible jersey numbers. When you add those two numbers up, you don't even get a two-digit number. Shake's fist. <laughs> you, you can't see me because it's audio only, but I'm definitely shaking my head right now. <laughs> 
All right, any other machinations that we, we've overlooked here? Not really. He mentioned that, uh, that Julian Merriweather will stay back in Florida at the, at the end of camp just because he's still healing from Tommy John. But David Phelps, who had surgery at almost the exact same time, could break camp with the team. Ostensibly, this from Gregor was because one is a reliever and one is a starter, and that affects the endurance level. Yeah, um, which makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the Blue Jays are actually going to start working out and then shortly playing games, which is madness. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with your questions about what's happening in the near future. And then we have a couple more things to do. See you in a sec. And we are back after a uh, breathing break. Did you do your breathing? I did mine. Well, I'm still here, so I definitely was breathing. Awesome. Let's have some questions. <laughs> Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Our first question is from Alicia Wisniewski at Alicia underscore the newbie, who might be related to me still. Um, she asks what I think is a, a very interesting question. Perhaps I never thought about the fact that people wouldn't know the answer to this. You have talked about the Jays having more money for contracts. Where has this money come from? Was this expected or out of the blue? So you can start answering that. First off, I think it's Alicia the noob, no, not the newbie. No, it's the newbie. She's the newbie <laughs> crafter. Anyway. I, don't, uh, I, I was just no. playing stupid uh so i assume this is referring to when we talk about like to take on bad contracts which oh, I, we talk I, I think we were talking about how in the next couple of years they're going to be able to spend on payroll oh well either way the answer is still yeah. the same so i mean we we've seen where the money was right it for the last couple of years it's been up in the 160 million dollar range a little less than that last year once trades were factored in but that did the, the answer from where this money is coming from is essentially that the the TV deal has, has gotten better, which Mark Shapiro has talked about. He won't say what it is, but it's better than what he thought was horrible when they showed up. And the ticket prices have gone up. And when they fill the place, the money is huge. So it's why, I mean, we're going to get to another question about why it's down right now, but that's why, that's where this extra money is coming from, essentially. And also there's all this this extra income that has come to the teams, right? They, they got $50 million for the sale of MLB advanced media, which by the way, I thought was not a good deal for the MLB, but, and then they're all the streaming, right? So there's a lot of revenues that are coming into everybody in the league, which is allowing teams like the Blue Jays to spend a bit more. Um, but of course that's, it's a problem because a lot of teams aren't spending a lot more. Uh, and of course the other part we talk about is when contra contracts come off the book. So the Blue Jays had a commitment to Russell Martin for $20 million this year, but, that's the end of his contract next year. There's nothing. They had a commitment to, to Lewitsky for this year and the next year for approximately $20 million ballpark. Um, and after the next year, then to Lewitsky's not um, on, on the payroll. So uh, young players cost a whole lot less than veteran players. And all of these big veteran contracts are not occupying what we assume is going to stay around 160 to $170 million payroll because the team hasn't told us it's cutting payroll. Um, because like you said, they're making lots of money from lots of different streams. And then the team hasn't told us that they're increasing payroll because they need to sign some people to really go for it or get some better players, which, again, they probably could at this point, but they haven't told us that. So we're, we're kind well, of Well, they, they have said that it's going to be lower. 
right this year not because that's they don't have the money available but just because logically it's going to be lower yeah there's there's nowhere to they can't invest in enough assets to bring the team up to championship caliber in their opinion so you're not just going to throw money at players who aren't going to bring you to the playoffs which is ultimately what all this spending money is about isn't it yep all right so that follows with um was at Bobichet at Quinn Sweetser's question. Quinn asks, "I va- one second. I th- yeah. Did they force Quinn? You can answer this for us. Did they force you to close that account because you took Bobichet's name? <laughs> we'll find out soon. I bet after this. Because uh, in, in his photo, it says error. Your account at Bobichet is currently suspended. <laughs> oh dear. Um." Okay, so it was Bobachet as I vaguely remember reading something months ago about how the Jays' payroll might go down so they had money to fund stadium renovations. I was just curious if you think that's a plausible cause for the lack of spending or if you think it's something else, i.e. general cheapness. Well, you just got into part of the something else with the not being able essentially to spend to that level. They should be spending a bit more, so that's where the general cheapness part comes in. But as for the first part, it's not. Shapiro has said that it's not. He said this at the Diamond Talks event, and it's just they—they're two separate budgets. Yeah, I was going to say stadium operations is not um, is not the team budget there, or shouldn't be for anybody, right? Because... No, because one's a capital investment for Rogers Corp, and the other one is the budget for a season for a baseball team. They're—they're they're just not the same. Well, yeah, and when you run that stadium, you're not just. Although there are 81 dates there for the Blue Jays, that that stadium runs all year round and has other events in it. So it wouldn't be really fair to make the Blue Jays, quote unquote, foot the bill for the entire stadium, even though it's owned by the same company. There you go, Brett Hibbard at Hibbity Bibbard. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, as a two-parter, do you think our wait to see Vlad Jr. in the bigs this season will be longer than the inevitable work stoppage after the current CBA expires? And then follows up with PS, service time manipulation is unethical. Do you want to try it first? Uh, I think our wait to see Vlad Jr. will be much shorter than the potential work stoppage coming up in whatever it is, 2021. Um, I think we're going to not see Vlad for three weeks. I think the players union is gonna freak when this cba comes up because next year's offseason isn't going to be any better than this one um and yes i think service time manipulation is unethical but i don't think ethics really play into the whole business side of things no they really don't uh as for the first part if the work stoppage means games missed due to the strike i'm taking vlad if length of stoppage from when they declare the strike which be the second the season ends and <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the, the strike yeah uh, i don't know i feel like i feel like we're, we're going back to 1994 all, all over again because the players seem pretty or not the players the owners seem pretty deaf to these complaints that are coming out of well the, that's uh, because they don't have to respond yeah. to them right now right like they just they agreed to a cba they'll t- deal with it in two years when they have to um I don't think the players will strike in the middle of a season again like they did last time. That killed them in the PR war. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just think I just think the, station, the, the season doesn't start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Phil Golubovich. Yeah, I've... this is lefty knuckleballer, the final form baseball freak. That's the <laughs> literal translation, by the way. It's not end of work day party time. It's final form baseball freak. <laughs> 
Um, I would say that it's got to be ambidextrous knuckleballer, doesn't it? 100%. Yeah. It's Pat Venditti with a knuckleballer. <laughs> but only on one arm. <laughs> he throws a knuckleball with one arm and a splitter with the other. Yep. Or a, or a screwball. Screwball, yes. Yes, yeah. screwball knuckleballer, but only with opposite arms. <laughs> and he switches in the middle of at-bats when he wants to switch pitches. <laughs> I like it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, so that'll be fun if we ever see it in the big leagues. Uh, all right. Last question is from Luke at Split Letters. How is number 19 still in rotation? I would have thought it would be one of those unofficially retired situations. Just for the record, Freddie Galvis will be wearing number 19 for the Blue Jays this year. Um, I kind of think maybe until Jose Bautista is officially retired, that number won't be unofficially retired. That's just a guess on my part. I don't even know that they will unofficially retire it. I mean, we had a bunch of people wearing number 12 until Alomar was in the Hall of Fame. And people wore 32 until last year when Halliday died and they retired the number. I, I just think that the Blue Jays either retire a number or don't retire it. And at that point, it doesn't matter. Because it's just a number. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's a little different than the Yankees and their numbers, of which they're They should that. retire single-digit numbers for pitchers, though. <laughs> Come all the way back around again somehow. <laughs> Uh, well, because I just said it's just a number, and then I can't doesn't really fit with my previous take, does it? <laughs> well, the, the important part is that you're not consistent. I think that's really what, what this is I'm, all about. I'm, I'm consistent with my inconsistency. Yeah, 100%. 60% of the time. Do you want right. to hand out a gold star? Yes, I do. All right. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. And once again, uh, we're giving a gold star to an opposing closer, and he didn't even blow a save. Would you care to explain? <laughs> so, every Blue Jays fan, when they hear the words <laughs> Zach Britton, they think of 2016 wild card game, wild card game, stuck in the bullpen. Well, so does Zach Britton, apparently. <laughs> um so he he made a uh, he he's officially changed his legal name to Zach with a K instead of an H, which apparently it was causing problems on contracts and things like that. And then someone replied with, "I don't care which way you spell it, as long as it ends up on this jersey." And it's a, a jersey from with the 2016 postseason patch. And someone replied, "Is that game used?" And his response, short answer, no. <laughs> It doesn't count because <laughs> I only stood in the bullpen and sweated in it, essentially. <laughs> the no is in capitals, too, which cracked yeah. me up. It's so good. Yeah, so Zach Britton knows he should have been in that ball game. Apparently, everybody in the world except Buck Showalter knew that he was supposed to be in that ball game, trying to save it for, uh, for that. But instead, we had Ubaldo Jimenez and Edwin Encarnacion face off. And if you're an extra pellets uh, <laughs> fan and a and a patron, you can hear what happened <laughs> when when yeah. that happened instead of Zach Britton. That's on our most recent episode. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the fact that uh, the funny part, of course, is that because they were eliminated in that wildcard game, th that's the only possible jersey uh, that that could be on. There is only yeah. one Zach Britton postseason 2016 jersey in existence uh that's that is you know issued to mr brayden though not game worn so funny uh <laughs> you can come collect your gold star anytime zach we'd be happy to talk to you he's probably not listening but i, I put that out there anyway what we're gonna give him a gold star aren't we 
No, I mean, that he's not listening. I'm shocked. Oh, yeah. Well, you never know. <laughs> we send free <laughs> no, copies. we know. We, we, we definitely know. know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we, we aren't sending free copies of the podcast to every Major League Baseball uh, player's Twitter account. Uh, all right. So lastly, we should talk about some serious business or lack thereof of business. Um, I haven't brought up. I should go get the depth chart, shouldn't I? This I've is got it up. The, on the eve of spring training. How's the death chart looking there, Zach? Uh, Zach, Josh. <laughs> Zach Britton on Whoa. the mind. Zach Britton does listen to this podcast. Uh, um, not very good. Yeah, There's a bunch of players on it. Oh, well, that's good. Players are important to have on the depth chart. Uh, are they like uh, players who you'd want playing those positions in the event of a, an injury? Well, I mean, in the, the, the actual position player depth... It's kind of the weird thing where the depth is good, but that's because the starters aren't. Yeah, exactly. So it's like if there's an injury, it doesn't really make a difference whether you're going from Billy McKinney or Teoscar Hernandez or Dalton Pompey. I mean, <laughs> they're all pretty much the same. But uh, they, they, the the upper end of it is not very strong. I mean, there are some guys that could be, right, like Lourdes Gurriel or Vlad, obviously. And I think Brian Drury could be good. But most of them are, you know, they project as – mediocre players even if that if they reach their you know their ceiling yeah well i mean you've got you've got your shortstop is guriel jr galvis urena and you've got second base is travis drury and lordis guriel jr what is there an all-star amongst those guys maybe if everything breaks right for lordis guriel jr uh, and even then i think that's asking a lot i know it is but like that that's the only maybe on there i don't think any of those other guys is is that's sort of my thing when I look at a depth chart. You should have at, at a fair number of positions somebody with a shot at not being a, a, a you know a five win player or something, but of, of making enough of a splash to make the All Star game. Wouldn't you like that at, at half your positions? If you're thinking, yeah, like if everything breaks right. Yeah, yeah. So like I guess you could say that about Justin Smoke, Smoke, Guriel, and well, I guess you could say about Danny Jansen and Gritchuk, maybe. I, I don't know. Probably just Smoke, Guriel, and Jansen. Any ringing endorsements? Not really. <laughs> and then we go to the starting rotation and the bullpen, which I think is probably where you really see the Jays have not loaded up on, on a whole lot of anything. The bullpen, I'm actually, we'll get to that, but I'm actually happier with the pen. But the rotation, I mean, it's, <laughs> if your first four are Stroman, Sanchez, Shoemaker and Richard, that's guy who was injured last year, guy who was injured last year, and the year guy who was injured last year, and guy who was injured last year. <laughs> that's uh, not very good. No. No, it's not. Now, the injury risks for those players who have all been hurt are different. For example, I'm more worried about Matt Shoemaker than I am about Marcus Stroman. Mm -hmm. uh, but... You know, it's the same idea. Like, the Jays actually have a bunch of guys that could step in. They've got Reed Foley, Trent Thornton. I mean, we saw San Cavilio, right? And then they've got, you know, if Waggisback does well or Merriweather comes back from injury. They have guys, but again, it's that, that ceiling in the rotation. If Sanchez and Stroman aren't great, the rotation is going to be bad. Mm -hmm. And if one of them is hurt, you're, you know even part of the time, and then another one of the guys who you thought was a backup is hurt, which happens all the time. You're you're down into, again, Sam Gavilio territory pretty quickly. I'm just like, 
And this is this is like this is peak going into spring training. This is as, as good as it gets before we find out. Again, they could sign somebody. Don't get me wrong. They might pick up a guy. But this is not where I would want to be if I were a major league team entering spring training. I think that this is the – and Tom Pannone is on that list too. We should have mentioned him. But I think this is the biggest argument to go and get another pitcher. Like if you can move Clayton Richard into a swingman role, long reliever, spot starter, all of a sudden your sixth starter is someone who's semi-major league caliber and then you've got a full AAA rotation with Reed Foley, Thornton, Merriweather. You know, what did I, who did I just say a second ago? Pannone. Like there, there's guys. Oh, I, stop. I can't keep saying guys. It's very confusing. <laughs> there are um, bodies. Yeah. Use, guys who could be useful, but I don't know. It, it, it could. It, last year was worse than this year. I, I mean, I think they've done a little bit better job of having people in the AAA rotation who are at least not journeymen who could be helpful, but you know, they could still use a little more higher end depth. Um, and I guess my whole my whole thing here is is this has been said a bunch of places, but this came out when the Phillies were making the case that they are in win right now mode and had spent money and had signed players and, and were really trying to gear up to, you know, to win their division again with, with the core that they have. Uh, and the question came up, why are so few teams in win right now mode? Because if you look at the American League, uh, you have the Red Sox, the Yankees, um, who else? Who else are you going to put in win right now mode? There's a few teams. The Astros, right? Astros, hundred um, percent. I don't know. Do, do, do does Oakland Cleveland dish? Well, no, Cleveland didn't spend any money this year. Cleveland, but they, but they still have a like. They, they're still they didn't trade their pitchers or anything like that. Like people thought they would. No, but instead of augmenting, they just sort of, they're going to let it ride because it's cheaper to let and it ride. And their outfield is terrible. Actually, so the teams that are like it sounds like they're really legitimately trying to add in a significant way are well the Yankees did Boston has made some some moves but Boston's rotate you know they were spending so much money and they were so stacked to begin with I don't think they count same with the Astros mm-hmm. um, and the White Sox right but even the White Sox haven't signed Manny Machado well they're trying I mean Manny Machado no one has signed Manny Machado yet so until he does the crazy idea offer him 350 million dollars and see if he comes up Again, I'm, yeah. I'm just the, the, to me the whole thing here is there is five playoff spots, and more or less right now there are maybe five teams seriously trying for those playoff spots, and then the other people are hoping to to use some sort of voodoo magic to flop into one. And I'm like, but there's players on the market who could help you. Why wouldn't you be looking to augment and get that playoff spot? Like I, I don't get it. Yeah, a lot of people are making this very specific case for the Twins because they have this young talent and they have they're like thirty million dollars under what they spent last year. So it's like, well, you know, you could use Dallas Keuchel, you could use <laughs> Craig Kimbrell, but uh, I don't know. It's it's really weird that the, the, like the four best free agents, arguably AJ Pollock, probably in that mix, but they're not signed, and it's spring training has started. Which, I mean, this whole idea that spring training is important at all kind of also gets a little shadow over top of it when this is the second year in a row where teams don't seem to think it's important to the players' health or development that they be there for the entirety of spring training. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, Patrick Corbin was the other guy, so, he, so he's better than Keiko. But 
Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, so Patrick Corbin got six years, 129 million pretty early on in free agency. And it's just like, oh, okay, well, now the market should move on Keuchel. And it just didn't. And yeah, it's, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand why this is happening. Part of it, I think the blame has to go with Scott Boras because this is like his, his entire negotiating philosophy, and he represents Keuchel and Harper, is to wait until someone does something stupid. But the problem is no one's doing the stupid thing anymore. Mm-hmm. No one's like, yeah, sure, I'll give Dallas Keuchel six years and $110 million because that offer is not going to come for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know how how Boris, you know, evolves out of that because he's he's gonna have to. But also, this this is the kind of thing I think is really gonna affect that next CBA because you've already heard it from I can't remember which player it was. I read the tweet. He's like, we need to move free agency sooner because if if teams are now only gonna really be interested in 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 the productive years of a player, and everyone seems to agree that after thirty, productive years are harder to come by then you need to get a guy earning his money that matches up it used to be a guy would sign his his first contract at 27 or 28 with the understanding that the last three or four years of those of that contract would be a crapshoot for the team but they'd get something good out of him in the first three or four years that would you know propel the team to what they wanted but now everyone realizes that your your 23 and 24 year old players are actually the guys who are really at the peak of their production but they're not getting paid because they're in they're in their six years of controllable uh, service time and controllable pay. Yeah, I mean, then that, that, that thing about moving a deadline up for free agency, though, I think that that would actually be worse for the players. Why do you think that? Because the teams are just like, okay, well, here's our best offer. Your deadline is tomorrow. You want to play or not? And I, I think, I don't know, then I would be, certainly if I were in charge of a team at that point, I'd be looking at the three or four guys who were coming into free agency that much sooner and filling out my whole roster with them. But you see, to me, like this, uh, a deal like that only helps the very best guys. Like, so Harper and Machado is like, oh my God, I really want this guy here. Here's the money. But if you're Gio Gonzalez or Irvin Santana or all these other pitchers and players who are, or Adam Jones or someone like that, who's not getting a good contract, you're going to get pennies because it's like, well, I can get that guy or this guy or that guy. You want my money? Take it. Otherwise I won't pay you. So you're in favor of a less free market for the free agents? How's that less free? Well, if you're saying the guy should still hit free agency at the same time. No, no, no. I'm talking. I thought you were talking about free agent. Oh, I misunderstood completely what you were saying. Because there have been players who have been saying that the free agency should have a clock on it, like once it starts to when it ends. Like there's a deadline to sign players. No, no. I mean, you should be you're free talking agent about becoming a free agent sooner or yeah, three. That's years. never going to happen. Uh, well, they, they said the reserve clause would never get turned around, didn't they? <laughs> but the diff- but the difference is here. Like, if you do that, why would you even bother playing if you're Tampa Bay or Oakland or Kansas City or They're any not. number of teams? <laughs> They're not no. playing. They're just showing Guess up. What? <laughs> Guess what? Oakland made the postseason last year and won 97 games. Right? Right. That's because they could hold players for their, for their sixth year of arbitration. Like, if you – they're not going to accept any system where – like where a player is gone after they put their two, three years of development into them. But those players, as, as we've seen going forward, those players are, are never getting paid now unless they're well, the, the solution the isn't, the crop. I, I think the solution that, well, uh, it's hard to pick an actual solution, but the idea would be just to pay them more sooner as opposed to letting them become free agents sooner. And you don't, I just don't, I, 
You don't think that don't Oakland and, and all those small market teams would chafe at, at the salary floor that had been imposed upon them and say that they can't be competitive at those rates? It's not about a salary floor. I meant just like the minimum salary goes up, arbitration one year sooner, things like that. Whereas losing the player, I think it's just never going to happen. Whether I think it should happen is a different conversation, but <laughs> I just I can't see it. I can't I can't see any way that that, that passes and, and it stops a work stoppage because they just won't agree to it. Yeah, and I don't see any reason that the players have anything to lose at this point because they're they're getting shafted over and over and over again. And there's there's well, there's a whole bunch of guys right now, like 150 of them, who who people have argued could make an all-star team out of if you need it, or a playoff team out of, who don't have they're jobs. Wrong. But they don't have jobs. <laughs> they have no yeah. work. There, and, so I, I do want to just mention, like that number is it's 100 that they keep saying 100 free agents, and. I mean, yes, but in any other year, there would be 60 of them, right? It's like uh, there's but the issue is that there are 15 to 20 who are legitimately impact or like good players that are out there. That's the weird part. Well, you got 800 players roughly in the major leagues over the course of a season. If you have 40 out of work right now, is that not 5% of your players who like your unemployment rate is 5% for no reason because people don't want to pay them? Yes. That's insane. <laughs> It is insane. <laughs> There's no one who's going to argue with that. It needs to change. Like something needs to be fixed to, so this stuff doesn't happen. And again, I don't think like Harper and Machado, I think are just in their own world because they're going to get paid. They're going to get big contracts. They just haven't signed what they've gotten yet. It's the middle class who gets hurt by this the most. Like I, the, the top guys like Lorenzo Cain got five years, 80 some odd million last year because he was one of the best. Darvish got six years, 126. The best players still get it. It's those other guys like Mike Moustakas who got four million bucks. Yeah, which is a travesty. It is. It's absolutely a travesty. But I think the solution will be more that they, this. I think they'll end up with a situation where the younger players are getting paid more money which makes it more incentivized to get some of the older players because it's like, well, you can't say, well, I can pay Moustakas $10 million, or I can pay Brandon Drury the minimum and he can give me 80% of Moustakas' production. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, something's got to give because... And it will, right? Yeah. <laughs> because it's... otherwise, we won't have baseball. Well, that's the thing is, is in the long run, if it doesn't give in the next CBA, the, the overall quality of the player entering into the baseball draft is going to start to be lower. I think that's, it's undeniable because if you have an opportunity to play multiple sports and you look at baseball and, and you don't think that you're going to be good enough to make you know, as much money as you might make in a different sport or as much money you might make in a different industry because of the odds against you, then I think you're going to have trouble. They already say they, you know, in some areas they have trouble getting people to play baseball. It's not going to get any better when you see that there's only a dozen players making $100 million contracts in the whole sport. No. It's got to be spread out a little better among among all the players. And we haven't even talked about the possibility of collusion. Ha ha. Yeah, I don't actually think there is collusion happening. I think that that's... I think that's wrong, <laughs> but I think that there's definitely people have realized that everybody else isn't paying salaries, so why should they, which is bad. And I, I think that the other part of the problem is the guaranteed money um, from television contracts disincentivize that, you know, yeah, going all in. That's the other end of the business that um, players are, are losing out on, right? Because the, the money keeps coming in 
and the teams are like, well, we just don't have to pay it out. Well, oh, there was a, a piece done on, I can't remember, Gizmodo or Deadspin or one of those things that looked at actually the marginal value of a win. Well, we the war, it's like the free agency war calculation is around 8 to $10 million, depending on the free agent year. This year, it's lower. But the actual marginal value of a win to an owner is like $2 million bucks. Right. And that's where the disconnect is. There, there's You don't put that many butts in the seats or you don't change your TV ad revenue very much at all because some of those, you know, those TV ad contracts are guaranteed. So if you're not competitive for two or three years, um, it, you only have to be competitive in the couple of years before you sign another guaranteed contract with your TV provider, right? To show them that this many eyeballs are on the team. But in the meantime, shoulder shrug, you can do whatever you want. And the money just keeps rolling in. Yep. All right, we'll uh, leave it on that depressing note, I think, is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm sure it'll all get fixed in time, right after it blows up and melts down, and then they put all the pieces back together. Yeah. All right, so uh, just so everybody knows, we are planning on doing one more Extra Pellets episode. Again, www.patreon.com slash turfpod. If you want to check those out, you can just... Uh, add a small donation every month and uh, get access to all that extra content. We do appreciate everyone who is a patron. Um, number two is we are going to go into our preseason previews after next week's turf pod. So uh, are we going to be back to every week? Uh, after the extra pilots episode? Yes. Yes. So uh, you can, you can look forward to even more of us nattering in your ears. You have been Josh Houseman at Joshua Houseman. And I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 129. And we'll talk at you in a couple weeks.